Access Division 33, the official podcast of Division 33 of the American Psychological Association, a group of professionals dedicated to science and practice in the area of intellectual and developmental disabilities and autism spectrum disorder. In each episode, we'll speak with a different member of our division, discussing their work and why it's important to the lives of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and those who support them. Hello, and welcome to Access Division 33. I'm Dr. Jason Baker, a member of Division 33, and your host for today. Today, we'll be talking about parenting stress and parenting stress reduction with Dr. Cameron Neese. Dr. Neese is a licensed clinical psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Loma Linda University. She specializes in developmental psychology, childhood disorders, parenting and family process, and intervention research. Dr. Neese is currently involved in leading two federal research grants investigating the effectiveness of mindfulness-based stress reduction in parents of children with IDD and ASD, and how reduced stress in these parents can benefit the development of their children. Welcome, Dr. Neese. Thank you, thanks for having me. We should start by um, me embarrassing you and noting that um, Dr. Neese was awarded the Division 33 Early Career Award um, last year, so congratulations on that. Thank you, it was a huge honor, I I really appreciate it. Um, So you study parenting stress. I do. And, And why do you study parenting stress? Well, we study parenting stress because it's associated um, with a lot of of different negative outcomes and consequences, both for parents and for um, and for kids. So, when I talk about parenting stress within the context of our research, a lot of what we have focused on is what we would typically think of as parental distress or the degree that a parent feels kind of overwhelmed in their role as a parent, and that's kind of what we focused on. And we study, you know, parental stress and the degree that parents feel overwhelmed in their role as a parent because it's associated with um, higher levels of parental depression, um, which is associated with a more negative parenting behavior. And um, from our perspective, what we're, we're really interested in is, is how this impacts the kid, right? So a lot of times we, we, we care about parents um, and we care about how they're doing and how they feel as a parent and their ability to, to kind of function on a daily basis. But as a child clinical psychologist, you know, we've been really interested in parenting stress because our research indicates that parenting stress um, actually has a negative impact on a number of domains for children's development as well. So in our research, we found that parenting stress is associated with um, poorer social skills over time, higher levels of behavior problems over time, and has been associated with higher levels of, of ADHD symptoms and probably a number of other outcomes that we haven't, um, haven't researched. And so for us, um, as a child clinical psychologist, you know, we've been really interested in parenting stress because it has a, we think it has a pretty significant impact on the child's development. And I think a lot of times when we think of, of research on, on families, and particularly families of kids with intellectual and developmental disabilities, we think of how, um, how stressful it can be for families to raise a child with a developmental disability. Um, but often what we don't extend is, is think about what parenting stress does um, to the child and kind of what the reciprocal effect of that is. And um, our research has really indicated that that there is an effect of parenting stress on the child and that most likely that is um, mediated or, or accounted for 
by some changes in parenting behavior. And so when a parent is highly stressed and feels really overwhelmed in their ability to um, feel really overwhelmed in their role as a parent or their ability to parent, um, they tend to, they, they may be more likely to um, be more intrusive, right? They're trying to get control and figure out what's going on. They might be more negative because they're just struggling and overwhelmed in, in this experience of parenting. And we know that those negative parenting behaviors um, may lead to higher levels of child behavior problems, you know, which is also a, a important risk factor for later development of psychopathology. So we care about parenting stress because we care about parents. But you know, for me, I really care about parenting stress because it has an impact on the child's long-term development. Now, now I'm assuming that that's the case for both kids with neurotypical development and kids with um, intellectual or developmental disabilities or possibly even uh, autism. Is, is that correct? And, and also, what are the populations that you've studied most? Right. So, um, yeah, we these this I would say these findings are are consistent for 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 regardless of the child's developmental disability. It's probably more has to do with the parents' levels of stress and the child's levels of behavior problems. Um, we focus on kids with, and I'll talk a little bit more about who we've studied, but focused on kids with intellectual and developmental disabilities because they are a high-risk population. So, parents of kids with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, pretty consistently have higher levels of stress compared to um, parents of typically developing kids. And that seems to be pretty consistent over time. So we see that um, in, in preschool and early childhood all the way up through um, you know, adulthood. And in the populations that we have studied, we have, for most of our research has really focused on what we would call heterogeneous groups of kids with developmental delays. So depending on the age, um, most recently a lot of our work has focused on preschool age kids. And so these kids have um, mixed groups of de mixed developmental disabilities. So um, some of them will have like a global developmental delay. Some of them will have an autism spectrum disorder. Um, some of them may have a genetic syndrome. Um, and so we have had really mixed groups to, to try to just get a general idea of how parenting stress impacts um, the development of these kids. And, and now some of our research is looking more specifically at, at certain populations. Awesome. And, and part of what I love about your research, and you know this, is that um, you started out by studying parental stress and, and the impact on the families and the fact that the, the parents are stressed out, but then you went and did something about it. So you have, you have some, some work that you've done in trying to reduce parental stress. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can, yeah. So after we did my dissertation and these parental stress, you know, just consistently kept coming out as a significant predictor, we looked at lots of different predictors and, and parental stress seemed to just consistently emerge. And so um, at that point I said, well, what are we gonna do about parental stress? And so I went into the literature and, I, and we said, well, what's the evidence-based treatment for treating parental stress in parents of kids with developmental delays? And at the time, there really wasn't anything. You know, there was a, a paper that had come out that kind of talked, to, tried to do a meta-analysis, but essentially it said, you know, the most common um, intervention that's delivered are kind of these parent-led support groups that we don't have a lot of empirical data on. Cognitive behavioral therapy might be effective, but we don't really have good data. And so really we didn't, there wasn't a lot of empirical research. And, um, and so at the time I went and did a quick lit search um, in my graduate school office at UCLA and, and uh, this topic of mindfulness, and this was back in 
um, you know, 2009, 2010, and, and mindfulness kept coming up in, in the research. And I thought, like, what is mindfulness? And and why is it so effective? And, and the initial results were really, um, really promising. You'd see these long-term benefits and you'd um, see it compared even against some um, psychotropic drug trials and it was having a really robust effect. So um, I actually called um, a professor who's now at Carnegie Mellon called named David Cresswell, who was a postdoc at UCLA at the time. And I said, hey, send me the manual to to mindfulness-based stress reduction. And he said, oh, Cammie, that, that's not how it works. <laughs> and so I said, well, what is mindfulness? I just want to you know, go to a quick training and learn about mindfulness. And he said, that's not how it works. And he said, you need to take a class and really learn about mindfulness and experience this. And so I enrolled in a, um, a, a class and, and took a mindfulness class and really learned that this was really around retraining your mind and, um, and it was, it was a, a way of life. It really wasn't um, a, a quick and dirty skill that you learn from reading a book or a manual. And um, but that did lead me into um, to really looking at how mindfulness may be a, a potential um, beneficial intervention for reducing stress among parents of kids with developmental disabilities. So yeah, so we've done um, we've done a number of studies really looking at mindfulness. Particularly, we focused on mindfulness-based stress reduction, so MBSR. MBSR is the most um, researched and kind of commonly used um, manualized intervention for mindfulness. There's lots of different mindfulness interventions, which is actually a, a bit of a problem in the, <laughs> in the research. But, um, you know, MBSR is the mindfulness intervention that has the most empirical evidence and it is manualized and there's a standard way to deliver it and a training procedure for interventionists. And so we've really focused on MBSR. Um, and yeah, so we have done a couple trials where we have um, looked at first the feasibility and then the preliminary efficacy of, of delivering um, MBSR to parents of kids with, with developmental disabilities. And it seems to work. Yeah, so I think our, our initial trials, we had um, like 138 families in the trial and it was a weightless control design. So we, families got randomly assigned to either receive MBSR or be on a weightless control. And we found that MBSR did significantly um, reduce parental stress. It also significantly reduced parental depression. Um, it improved life satisfaction. And then I think what, what was most interesting to me was that um, it had a collateral benefit on the child. And so we did nothing with the kids. Um, we provided childcare, but we actually supervised childcare to make sure they were delivering no behavioral intervention and um, and they were doing nothing but following the child's lead and making sure they were safe and happy <laughs> during childcare. Um, and and we found that we saw significant reductions in child behavior problems, particularly in the um, in externalizing behavior problems. And we saw some improvements in withdrawn behavior as well. So that was great. We were happy to see that. I think one of the biggest things that came out of that study was that this was just a feasible intervention. So I talked about, you know, in, in the area of mindfulness, a lot of people do their own intervention or they kind of adapt interventions. Um, and MBSR is, is an intensive intervention. It's an eight week long intervention. Sessions are two to two and a half hours. Um, parents are supposed to practice meditation every day uh, for about 30 to 45 minutes. And there's a day-long retreat, so a six-hour silent meditation retreat that parents participate in after session six. So it's a lot. It's a lot, you know? And I think when we first started this research, we would talk about, you know, 
we're going to do MBSR with parents of kids with developmental delays. And I, we got a lot of pushback that parents wouldn't, mm-hmm. parents of young kids couldn't do this, especially parents of young kids that have developmental disabilities or developmental concerns. And um, so I think for us, that was, that was promising that, that we could, we could do something for these parents, right? And they could come and they had good attendance and they enjoyed it and they finished it. Um, but, it, but, you know, it, it is a big effort. So, so given that it's such a big effort, we like to often give tips towards the end uh, of the podcast. So I'm assuming that you probably can't sum up mindfulness in, in one sentence for everybody. <laughs> but is there anything that you can, you can give either from your research or others that um, might uh, help people, help parents think a little bit about how to reduce their stress? Right. So I think I, I, in terms of mindfulness, you know, I would say that the, the way we define mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. And essentially what you're trying to do in through mindfulness training is train, let the person have the ability to control where they focus their attention and what they're paying attention to and at least have awareness of what they're paying attention to. And I think, um, you know, I think for parents, a lot of times, and people in general, when, when you're stressed, you um, often operate on kind of an autopilot. You're just trying to get through your checklist, get through the day so you can um, get to some kind of rest or at the end, you know. And I think for for parents of kids with um, developmental disabilities who often are very overwhelmed, they're just kind of reacting to what is in front of them at the moment because that's what they do to survive. That's what they do to take care of their kids. Um, and I think that what mindfulness might offer them is the ability to have more control over that attention and to act with um, a bit more intention and purpose, right? To, to participate in the moment instead of just getting through the moment. And I think that um, for a lot of our families, they will talk about just trying to get through um, instead of being able to participate and be present and enjoy those kids. And also notice that um, what... I think a lot of times also our parents talk about kind of um, rehearsing and anticipating what is to come in the future or rehashing and what's happened in the past. And in doing that rehearsing and rehashing, they often miss what's in the moment. And so, you know, I think it may not be possible for most people to do an eight week long intensive intervention with this, but there are there's short um, you know, quick five minute breathing meditations that you can find online. There's apps where you can get a little bell that dings that just reminds you to kind of anchor yourself. Like, what am I feeling right now? Where am I right now in this present moment? And kind of check in with your mind um, so that parents can ultimately help kind of move out of that just reactivity and response to whatever's right in front of them and have more purpose and control over their behaviors and ultimately their, their child's, improve their child's development, hopefully. Wow. Well, particularly as a parent, thank you for doing this work (laughs) and thanks for doing this podcast. Thank you. Please tune into our next episode when we interview another leader in the field of IDD and ASD research. If you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, please visit our Division 33 website at www.division33.org and use our contact page with the subject line podcast. To all those professionals working in the field, Thank you for the work you do. And to those individuals with IDD and ASD, and those who support them, we're here to help.